We're finishing up the first night of the New York High School Football Coaches Association Clinic, and sitting down with me is the offensive coordinator at Utica, Joe Gerbino. Joe, it's great to have you here. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Coach, and for pronouncing the correct way as well. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, Grabowski is a, has always been a tough one for me. Sometimes yeah. I can't even pronounce it. Yeah, that. I had to enunciate that one a couple times <laughs> myself. Um, well, uh, you are a Utica guy. Went to Utica, uh, started your coaching career there four years in, 24 years old, becoming the offensive coordinator. So uh, Utica has been obviously uh, near and dear to you. But in the whole scheme of things, what led you to being a football coach? Our head coach is somewhere smiling here, and you say Utica guy, and that that's kind of picking up some traction. <laughs> what led me to being a football coach? So my senior year, I was a captain at Utica. I got hurt, I sustained a back injury, needed surgery, got a medical red shirt. I came back for a second senior year or fifth year. This was in 2014. It was our best season in program history. And like I was kind of joking with you before, I didn't know what GAs were. I thought my GA was the best football coach I ever had, Riley Hill and Seth Williams. And I thought they all made a lot of money and lived in big houses and they were all full time. And it timed up well to where I came back from my fifth year. Those guys got their degrees, graduated, went on to bigger and better things. And I actually went home and got a business job back home where I'm from in New Jersey. I had a business management degree. And uh, Coach Fajian called me up one day and asked me if I wanted to be one of them funny GA things. Told him that, you know, name the time and the place and I'm there. So <laughs> it kind of called me. I never thought that I would be a football right. coach. And I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of friends that want to get into it. And I think it's a hard business to crack and stay in and be successful in. And I'm very fortunate somebody uh, took a shot on me and believed in me and let me be a GA. And full-time coach and all that you, you mentioned a couple guys there and you know influences but thinking about things you learned from them and, and looking back on some of those lessons uh, what things did did you learn or pick up or the takeaways you had that really are part of who you are now as a coach yeah you know what that's that's always a, a nice little exercise to look back and reflect Riley Hill was a technician I thought that uh, we would sit in the meeting room and he would get us better at receiver specific play um, his indies were every, were very well detailed and organized. Seth took a, a great interest in his players and really made them feel like you know they were his sons and part of his family. My offensive coordinators, Coach Fitzpatrick, head coach over at Cortland now, was at Morrisville, was at OC at Utica with me. I had the great pleasure of playing for him. Schematics was as good as I've ever seen. And then Jim Kramer, who's still a great mentor to me, was my OC after Fitz when I GA'd, helped me become a GA and helped me become an offensive coordinator just being a mentor, like be, being a, a father figure type of guy and being there to pick you up when you needed it and be there to humble you when you needed it too. So a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. In looking at your offense, first of all, what, what's your philosophy behind that? What is it that you know, you're really going to build as a foundation? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I just got to talk tonight and I was talking a little bit about it. So I think it's an our system type of thing and not a my system. So I think the more that our staff can learn and we can implement to match our personnel, the better. And I think this year, better than any other year, we had really good players and that certainly helps, but we we're able to find ways to play more than just our, our guys. We right. were able to develop more. We, we had a hundred starters, we would say, and we were able to package our guys and play 13 personnel football and yeah, I love it. play zero personnel and put our best slot in the backfield or play three QBs on the field at once. And we call that our Ivy League package. And every school that we name, the first letter of it actually, like Stanford was some for Sam Florio, Brown was for Brendan Belot. 
Um, Princeton was just personnel with our base QB and all those guys out there. So little things like that, having a way to find fun. And if you're not having fun coaching, they're not having fun playing for you. So, like, finding a way to get them involved and feel like they're a part of it. Yeah, you know, at, at, at the Division three level, we get those bigger rosters. And you work hard to bring those kids in, too. Yeah. Right? And I think when you can find that, that, that mix of guys who, you know, make your – depth chart horizontal like you're talking about rather well than vertical um the the buy-in so much better and it's something we put a focus on the same thing how can we get more guys involved you know playing multiple quarterbacks it would drive people crazy and they wouldn't understand it like you guys went from a 12 personnel to a 12 personnel but yeah yep. we had different right guys on the field right so talk to us a little bit about just one how, how do you make that work because it's not always the easiest thing to to see like okay I'm going to take this guy who I think is really good off the field and this other guy is going to come in yeah so I think when you're when your best players are your best leaders you're on to something so I thought our two overall best football players although they're hard to thumb sometimes they were both our captains as well so even when we schemed things up for them to get the ball nobody was feeling a certain type of way because of how good of people and leaders they were and because they saw those guys, nobody was safe from coming off of the field. So they saw those guys come off the field and how they reacted to it. And that made them comfortable with coming on and off themselves. To be a captain is a great honor. And I think for those guys to be captains, they knew that they had to represent themselves a certain way. But we always say that like our players are an extension of the staff. So they have a part in the practice planning. They have a part in everything that we do as a program. And we started meeting as a full unit this year. So the more guys that we could teach the entire offense to and teach it conceptually, not just position-based wise, mm -hmm. and create a universal language, the easier it was to plug and play and kind of get the guys in different spots. And when, when they know you care about them as people, they're willing to do whatever it takes for you and for the program and whatever yeah, else. Definitely. Now I know this year your, your slot is a, a dynamic player. Yep. Sometimes those guys fall into – doing the same things over and over again. But mm -hmm. I think when you can find some special ones and really highlight all the different things they can do and not just get set on throwing them bubbles or right. vert routes or whatever, like they can make a difference in not just being the most dynamic guy, but just helping scheme out and getting other people open too. Yep. Yeah, well said. And like that was part of the clinic talk that we had. And I think what made Nate great was – um. I'm going to miss Nate next year because he was a phenomenal football player. I'm going to tease him and say that his, his little brother's on the team. He's a freshman, and he might be a little bit better than Nate, and we tease him constantly about that. But um, I think what made Nate great and why we're going to miss him, not just how good of a football player he was, but um, the relationship that we built, him and I, and then our staff and him and the program and him over the years, how he held his teammates accountable, how he did the extra stuff. He was the type of kid staying after practice to pick up the water bottles. You know, and we – share dinners together you know I know what his mother does and what makes her work and tick and what kind of family he comes from and that's really why we're in this thing is for those relationships like that and when you have a relationship with a kid like that then he's willing to spend extra time with you then he's getting better because I think our jobs as coaches is to take them where they can't take themselves so the more time he spends with us theoretically the better he should be and you get a kid like that for three four five years in your program and put him in position to be successful and build his confidence the sky's the limit when you look at that position and being able to use it in, in different ways beyond you know what everybody usually does how much more 
difficulty does that give the defense? You know, I mean, it's easy when you know, okay, we got to stop this guy who's running the bubble or this guy's going to run the shallow route. But you, know, you start putting them all over the place, not just where he aligns, but also like where he's going to go to. Yep. It certainly changes things. How, how do you, one, that's, that's not always easy to do because you can, you know, you, you get uh, maybe too many ideas. Right. Right. That's definitely and then thing. confusion. So finding the balance with that, I guess, and in, in being able to highlight what he does. But also, I think when you can highlight a player like that, it does draw attention to him. And now other guys will benefit from that as well. Yep. So how, how do you go about, I guess, putting together those those game plans, those thoughts? So it so it fits, too. Right. You right. talked about having the whole team concept. Well, you can't be in there scheming all week either. No doubt. We gave Nate a lot of conversion routes, and I think that's a testament to him, his preparation. He was able to handle things like that. So mantra in our room is if you're not open, get open. If you are open, stay open. And giving them parameters so that they could make us right because us as coaches, we're no longer playing. So we think we know everything, but it looks pretty on the board and it looks different on the field sometimes. So giving them and empowering them with the confidence and the ability and the information they need to make you right and adjust to the defense is important. So conversion routes first and foremost, and then humbling ourselves and saying it's not like it's not my system, it's our system. So, mm -hmm. oh, only kids that can do this can play in my system. Or only kids that look like this can play in my system. A kid like Nate, in the past, we may have only put him on the hash and in the slot. But this year we would go big so we could put him on the perimeter and put him on the numbers. Or when teams started double teaming him, we would put him in the backfield. And I think having an appropriate and proper way to echo and communicate your substitutions. And I think that we increase our staff. It gets bigger because of how we treat our players. It's like we have eight QBs in our program, and all eight of them have some type of responsibility in practice and on game day. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's a personnel card or a, like you talked about, 12 personnel is not the same 12 personnel every time, depending on who's on the field in there. And we had kind of our subcategories within our personnel this year as well. But having the universal language to get that done, having the manpower and the, and the hands and the eyes to help you communicate that throughout the program and empowering the kids with the information they need to make you right and build yeah. in the conversions and things. I think one of the challenges when, when you do play a lot of players like that and you're trying to make the roles for them is, is to make sure that they're still competing, that they understand, yeah. like, yeah, you know, you're, you're this role – and I think you said we had 100 starters. We used, we used to do that, too. I drove yep. the head coach crazy because we, we, we had a tradition on on Fridays, you know, in the stadium after practice, we would announce the starters. And, and you know, I, the guy who was announcing the one day, I turned in, like, 22 guys. Uh, did you? I got <laughs> yeah. to I gotta try that. I've, I haven't done that one yet. And, and uh, I mean, but they, they took it to heart. And the kids, I'd tell them, like, look, you are a starter. How much your group plays is really up to you guys. Mm -hmm. You guys take ownership of it. So – What's been your approach? How have, how have you handled that to make sure that, I guess, people don't feel like, well, I'm owed this now because right. this is my spot, right? Yeah. Well, I think i got to try the 22 starters thing with the announcer first and foremost. <laughs> i, I got to put that one <laughs> in the tool belt. Being upfront and honest in the recruiting process, you know, I thought that Braden Zenilovic was a very good quarterback for us this year. Sonny Bedina was a very good quarterback for us the year before. It was all conference, and they're both on the roster. And then – playing a kid like Brendan Bielot and Sam Florio for us in packages. Like you said, they're starting in those packages. But we recruited a really good freshman this year who, Brett Fuller from Port Jervis, who's the Section 9 player of the year. So telling him up front, like, hey, it's a crowded QB room. Only come here if you really want it. The education's 
financially for your family, the fit between you and I, the campus, all that stuff. But so first and foremost in the recruiting process, you and I doing this long enough to see a full cycle go through. I think that's first and foremost, you've got to get that done. And then when they're in your program, building a strong and close enough relationship with them to where you can have face-to-face, one-on-one, closed-door meetings with them. And I think our kids understand that, like, we coach in a positive light, we highlight the positives, and we coach to the negatives, and just making sure we appropriately organize our practices to get the kids the reps that they need to be having. And keeping them on their toes, you know, like on Tuesday, running back A may be the guy in the first group, and running back B may be the guy in the next group, and so on and so forth. Now, in looking at it, and I talked with – Coach Jackson about this from West Virginia is talking about his defensive line, how he likes to play a lot of guys mm-hmm. too and, you know, fit things to their different uh, skill sets and everybody's a little bit different. I do feel there is a, a challenge in doing these things where it certainly falls on the coach to to figure out how does this guy uniquely fit in a package, right? right. And so what's your process for for looking at that and saying, you know, uh, in, in this package, as an example, like, uh, this this slot is going to be a little bit better for us because yep. this is these are the primary routes we're going to run. And he's really good at these things. Yeah, I, I think we have a big staff. All of our coaches are focused on being the head coach of their position group, and we coach all of our guys in Indy. Whether there's four guys in the room or there's 18 guys in the room, like we're not sending them off to be scout team guys all the time. So like we're putting the time in now so we can see it two years from now, three years from now, four years from now. Because if we don't invest in these young men now well two three years from now they haven't been developed because they've constantly been a scout guy or whatever the heck that it is and I'm not downplaying the importance of scout team and getting the guys the reps that need the reps the reps I'm not saying it's a participation trophy thing but I think it is I think you need to have a big staff and you need to have a focused mindset and set of eyes on what you're looking at in practice right we're not just out there going through the script like we need to be present and be where our feet are and be able to evaluate these kids and what they could do well and I think always viewing them in a positive lens instead of a negative lens like we don't like talking in our meeting rooms he's slow he's short he can't do this like we only want to hear what they can do well he he can do this you know and like our outside receivers like there's the guys who can run up the rails and catch a post for 50 and you could put it in front of them and you can put a lot of air under it but then there's guys that we say you got to stripe them and you got to put it on the stripe of the helmet and put it on them and they'll make mm-hmm. a tough catch for you so right. KYP, know your personnel. Our, our guys hear that a lot too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I think it's fun and, and rewarding to be able to find those opportunities for yeah. them too. And and I think when those guys know, like, and, and they maybe maybe they don't get their personnel doesn't get in in a certain game. Maybe you didn't get in the situations yeah. you want. But they're working really hard now. Yeah. They're bought in, and it does become the feeling is just different. I look at. You know, the, the transition from where we were more of that, like I said, that vertical, Yeah. you know, here's our X, Y, and Z, visual. and that's it. Now we have all these other personnel groupings, yeah. and we would just add letters yeah. to it, too, so that they knew, okay, hey, I'm the P, I'm the Patriot receiver, like, I'm right. in for this guy in this package. Like, it means something. You know what's funny, too, in your evaluation, like watching the kids play pickup basketball, <laughs> or watching them do yeah. stuff before practice, just right. goof around and be kids. You know, exactly, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's that's always where I'd find guys for trick plays too. Like, yeah. Hey, can you do this? Just, right. just uh, get get them in the moment. Right. Try to shock them. I had a, right. I had a tight end who, who threw like a he drifted back. You know, one of those had some guys out in front of him, a little screen to yeah. him, and throw it down the field. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm, but it was because I saw him before practice throwing into the cans, right? Yeah. Playing with the quarterbacks. Right. Come like, hey, that kid's got some good accuracy. Right. He's did it in a game, right? So I think you can look at it too. You you do want those guys on the field, but there there's things situationally that will dictate that. You know what? Maybe in this area, well, I have this guy who is super fast can take the top off of the defense. Now we're in this space where we're in the red zone. Vertical space is gone. That bigger receiver might be better for mm-hmm. me. Or I'm in a wildcat package. The guy who can maybe block a little bit better. We yeah. might not throw as much. So it's it is it does put more work on you as a coach. Yeah. But I feel like it it, it gets more guys involved. The buy-in is good, and their skill set skill sets are enhanced. Right. So the guy maybe who is a be- bigger, better blocker. There's a place for him. Yeah, and but, they always feel like it, they're competing it, too. Though. You know, they yeah. always feel like they're competing too, because like, hey, they know coach is always watching. Coach is gonna find a reason or find a way for me to do something well here. So you know, I, I may struggle with this, and not to get down on myself or self-conscious, but you know, I know that I can do these things. Yeah. And coach is always positively reinforcing me. Yeah, and you I know, think when you look at it too in, in recruiting, it's a help when you're able to flip on that tape and they're watching, and you start pointing out like. Yep all the different guys that you have playing guys want to know that hey i'm gonna i'm gonna get a chance that yep. they're gonna look at everything i can do it, yep. it does help and efforts universal mm-hmm. you know that's a universal language like doesn't matter what language you speak or where you're at like everybody knows what that looks like and you know can relate with that so the kids that are putting in an effort kids that are doing the right things on and off the field and in our program and buying in if they have one thing that they could do like why not try to why not try to have 100 stars? Why not try to out-program people? You know, yeah, like we want definitely. our filmers to be competitive. Like. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, we're at uh, the, the clinic here. I think these are unique situations. It's great to be back in person for yeah. one. I know really this is, uh, other than AFCA, this is the, the first clinic I've been back to. And uh, it's great to see just all the sharing that happens. And I think even more now I see like people more appreciative of this maybe yep. we took it for started to take it for granted maybe with with uh you know the shutdown changed everything but to being in these situations and sharing and you you've done it you've I've seen your clinics online you're here sharing what are your thoughts on that today and, and just putting yourself out there and not worrying about oh geez I'm giving too much away somebody's going to see this and use it against me yeah I think we were talking about like advice that I would give I think advice that I would give is come into these things come to them as as much as you can and come in with an open mind I think that's what's special and unique about our profession is that people are willing to collaborate introduce themselves and share information and get everybody around them better so I mean putting myself out there I don't ever want to be labeled as complacent or content or like a squatter you know I know I've been one place for a really long time I'm really passionate about it and I treat our place like it's big time because it is you make Mm -hmm. it's big time where you make it you know so for me like for me to give information today well you know that information might be outdated tomorrow or a week from now or a month from now or a year from now because just like everybody else is constantly learning from the people around them so am I and you know it's important to surround yourself with people that you can learn from and in environments like this, you certainly have that. And we're in an era nowadays where you can teach yourself a lot of things. There's a lot of resources and outlets out there and you know, digital media for us. And I think coming to a place like this and being able to troubleshoot with the person teaching you that, that material. And you know, I just heard Coach Salem in there who's got 31 years of experience and he's using overhead projector and talking about things from 1991. And you know, like that's, that's stuff that you don't get. 
you right. don't get uh, that's unique to well, come to these things. And ultimately, you know, with all this information, no matter what you learn, you still have to assimilate that into what you do. Yes. Right. It's not a well said. I so say it all the time. Coaching is not a copy paste function. Right? right. What somebody else does, you may look at that, but it's going to fit different with everything else that you have. Yes. Right. And how you coach it and everything. So there's still. You know, even but even though people are looking at it, like there's still a reason in a way that that fits. You don't always give that stuff away too. I mean, we're not talking end to end on things you're sharing, just right. a specific idea that could help somebody. No, and you you said it very well. It's like absorb what applies, right? And like try to make it fit into our system. And I tell our young guys that all the time. But like, they need to feel open to come to me with ideas that I'm not always going to shoot down. I tell our guys, I'll never say no. It doesn't mean it's a yes, but I'll never say no. Right. Right. You know, so I'll hear them all the way through and we'll try to find ways to assimilate it to what we have going on. Yeah, definitely. We share some great stuff here today in a lot of different aspects. But when you look at everything you do as a coach, what's the one thing you'd say uh, that you do that gives your guys the winning edge? I think that we are elite at building relationships. And I think that that's very hard to talk about. Like it's it's hard to put on a, a clinic PowerPoint slide or talk about in a video or through a microphone. It's it's. It can't be replicated, so it's just stuff that you have to go in day in and day out and do. And, you know, spend the time with your guys, and that's our most valuable resource as people, right, is, is our time. So, like you said, going out to practice 30 minutes early just to see the guys throw the ball in the can and be goofballs and be kids. Like, <laughs> you need to make yourself available to your kids and feed the positivity into them. Like, you know, you're the thermometer in that room, and it could be hot or cold based on what you're doing that day. So I think that, that makes us unique that our kids – and for the most part, and I'm sure that there's outliers everywhere, but for the most part, I think our kids love being at Utica and love playing for us and love building relationships with us, whether it's three wins or ten wins. Like, we go about our business the same exact way. And then find those opportunities to play our guys, whether it's three QBs or three tight ends. Like, being close with your defensive coordinator was really good advice that I got from Coach O'Mation last year when he was helping us clinic. Like, my DC and I, Coach McClendon, he does a great job. I'm like, hey, what do you hate? <laughs> He's like three tight ends, mobile yeah. QBs, yeah. Uh, fib, <laughs> like unbalanced. Like, we're oh, you don't like it? We're doing it. We're putting it in. Exactly. Well, Coach, great stuff, and I appreciate you taking the time. What would be the best way for our, our listeners to connect with you? Yeah, so um, you guys can find me on Twitter. That's probably the best way, at Coach Gerbino, G-E-R-B-I-N-O. And then anybody who has my personal line, reach out. Hey, it's great to sit down with you, meet you here. Like I said, I had seen you clinic online, yep. but uh, to be able to sit down and talk some ball has been great. Thank you. Appreciate it, Coach. Thank you.